Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast. I've always been at awe of the level of support that's available to small businesses here in New Zealand. In today's episode, we talk about one such initiative, Foodstarter. Foodstarter is a nationwide search for New Zealand's most innovative food and beverage products, with the ultimate prize being the chance to have your product on new world shelves across New Zealand. We've got Tim Campbell, who's the category manager at Foodstuffs, as well as Marion Johnson, who's the CEO of Ministry of Awesome, joining us today. We chat about Foodstarter, what one can expect when they apply, but also about what innovation means in the food context and what entrepreneurs need to keep in mind if they want to be stocked on those supermarket shelves. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi, Tim. Hum, hi, Marion. How are you? I'm They're good. Great. Thank you. How are you? Ah, that's awesome. So, Tim, let's start with you. Um, one question I like to ask all my guests is for you to just go right to the beginning and tell us a little bit about your childhood. Do you have any favorite food memories? How did you kind of find yourself in the world of food? Um, I, don't, I probably don't have any real clear standout um, food memories, but it has some, always been something that's um, been something that I've been interested in. Um, I think it's important for, uh, I was lucky enough that you know, my parents always involved me in um, meal preparation and those sort of things, even from a small age. And I think it's such a good way to get um, get children interested in, in understanding food and you know, for, even from a very basic level, whether it's just cutting out cookie shapes or um, something basic through to when um, sort of, you know, while I was after school, um, generally involved in peeling the vegetables or um, those sort of things. And then as, as that sort of um, evolves, you kind of get more, you understand the processes that go on behind it and it gives you a little bit of engagement with the food. Um, and so I think from that age, you know, from a very young age, always been um, involved in food and that's kind of made it um, something of interest to me going forward. That's so amazing, Tim. I think we need to send you to all the mums in New Zealand, oh, sorry, in India, because they don't teach their boys anything. In fact, one of the things I always joke with my mother-in-law is that I'm going to make my my boys start learning how to cook when they're four so that, you know, it's an essential life skill. You need to know how to cook. Um, what about you, Marion? Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Do you have any favorite food memories? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was really lucky. I, I was brought up in, in Pakistan and India and Bangladesh. And so my earliest food memories are probably going through the bazaars with my ayah um, and tasting all of the amazing dishes. And um, my favorite food at that point was probably prata or naan, um, which I would, uh, my nanny would buy from me um, in the bazaars and I would eat all the way home and after school and all the time. That is so cool. So, I mean, since you were born in that part of the world, you'll know. Um, so I had my uh, domestic helper used to come and she'd make me rotis and they'd always be ready just after I came from school. So they'd be Absolutely. hot on the top and, um, <laughs> and I just put some, some fresh butter on it and just sugar and so amazing. <laughs> Honestly, there's nothing better. 
<laughs> Tim, we need to get you to have some hot rotis. I'll yeah. make sure we send some across. <laughs> sold me on it already. Yeah. <laughs> so Tim, I see that uh, you started your career in the butchery section at Countdown. And since then, obviously, it's been a few years and you've grown into being a category manager now. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in this role and actually what a category manager does? Yeah, sure. Um, it's actually so many years that when I first started in butchery, it was actually big fresh. So that's how um, that's how long ago that was. Um, but I pretty much just I was just doing that as an after school job, um, just for a bit of pocket money, just doing cleaning and, and making mints and things like that. Um, I went to when I finished high school, went to university for a year and still just working there part time. Um, was a little bit overstudied by that stage, and um, so looking at some options for jobs, um, an opportunity to do an apprenticeship came up um, with uh, in the supermarket butchery. So um, thought that's yeah, not a bad, not a bad way to get a, a trade behind me. Something that you know, it's been around for a couple of thousand years, so probably isn't going away anytime soon. So even if it doesn't work out, something to fall back on. Um, so did that for a few years. Did my apprenticeship, worked my way up to um, managing some um, in-store butcheries. Um, but then after a while, I thought it wasn't quite um, wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I went back to university um, and did a business degree. Then um, I ended up leaving the industry for a few years. Worked in uh, commercial waste, um, scrap metal recycling, and rubbish. Um, for about seven or eight years, um, and then an opportunity came, and yeah, you know, always um, kept track of what was going on in the in the supermarket industry. FMCG is always something that's um, kind of interests me. Um, still had a lot of friends there, so kind of always kept tabs on what was going on. Um, then an opportunity came back in to work in um, some stores, so I was working in a New World store up in. Um, up in Wellington, and then um, got a job, came back, moved back down to Christchurch, where I'm originally from, um, and a job in New World there, um, and working so mostly in the stores as a buyer, so um, working out what stock was going to be, what what products were going to be in the supermarkets, um, and then job came up as at um, head office of Foodstuffs for a category manager, um, so doing pretty much all the stuff I enjoyed in the stores, looking at new products, looking at the range of products, doing all the analysis, um, but without all the stuff I didn't like, which is putting stuff on the shelf and doing stock takes and all those sort of less fun things. Um, so took that opportunity. So um, effectively what we do is um, we've got a, a team of category managers here who all have a different portfolio of categories that we look after. Um, we look at um, how, how they're performing um, in comparison to um, previous periods, um, also um, the competition, um, and look at ways we can um, change, change what products are in there um, to make sure we've got the best mix of products and to make sure that... Um, you know that uh, the products we've got in there are, do, are doing a job for us that we need them to do. Obviously, space is so tight in the supermarkets. There's always so many different products. I'm um, just making sure we've got the right mix and the right balance of products, um, and then evaluating new products as they come out and um, giving feedback um, to suppliers, both big and small, um, about what we're looking for, what where they where to look for development, um, and some of those sort of things. And then looking at um, yeah, which which products we bring in from there. Awesome. I mean, that sounds uh, really interesting. And uh, Marion, what about you? How did you find yourself um, from small girl in Pakistan to being a CEO of Ministry of Awesome? In um, one minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of my career I've been in, um, in, in media um, with organizations, um, mostly television stations, film companies like Universal and Discovery Networks, and, um, and then met my Kiwi husband in London. Uh, 14 years ago, and the short story is we um, came to Christchurch just before the earthquake. Um, I worked in a couple of um, startups here, which gave me the startup bug. 
Um, and after the earthquake, our city was completely reinventing itself and everything that we're um, going for is a, a city of innovation, a city of startups and really becoming the capital for startup and innovation in New Zealand, um, which is how I wound up as the Chief Awesome Officer at Ministry of Awesome, where we work with startups all over New Zealand and help them grow um, and help them go global. So that's, that's what our organization is all about. Um, and uh, we began working uh, with foodstuffs um, off the back of uh, looking at innovation for the food and beverage category. Okay. I mean, I find that interesting because, you know, it's not often, um, I mean, there's plenty of challenges out there, like business competition challenges, which are for general businesses, you know, um, but generally incubators, I find they just have a soft spot for tech. And this yeah. used to be my major gripe when <laughs> I was an sure. entrepreneur in India, you know, because I was like, well, everyone needs food and why is no one supporting the food businesses? You know, yeah. I mean, food's always going to be around, yeah. but um, it just always feels like, you know, obviously I get that tech scales fast and um, maybe, you know, food requires more investment and things like that. But I just, um, it's such a big gripe for me that people yeah. don't support food businesses as much. Yeah, I, 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 I'm totally with you there. And I think that um, one thing that people need to, they need to recalibrate their thinking to understanding that high tech and tech drives every sector now and should drive every sector now and has created all sorts of new offerings to move any sector into the future, um, into our, our high value jobs of the future. But that doesn't mean that we have to ignore the, the, the overarching sectors like, for example, aerospace or transport or future food and fiber. Um, and those three I've just mentioned because they are the Canterbury and the Christchurch, what we call our super nodes, which are these sectors that we're concentrating on um, as a region to be our high value jobs and our high value industries of the future. And one thing that absolutely must be taken into account of, and I'm sure Tim would agree as well, is like we're sitting here in the breast in the breadbasket of New Zealand, and New Zealand is a major supplier of high value um, food product for the rest of the world. So why would we ignore um, the capacity, the capability, and the experience that we have? Um, and, and the, and the, you know, the, the supply side that we have in our country, um, and, and not really double down on the future food and fiber sector. Um, that's, that's why we're running this, this program. Yeah. So could you, um, so obviously food starter now, um, that's been around since 2018. Am I correct? Uh, yep. That was our first winner. Yes. In 2018. And then we ran another one in 2019 and this one is our third version. Okay, so um, could you, for our listeners, kind of uh, perhaps give us a little history about Food Starter, what it exactly is, and um, sort of how it started or why you started doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So really, it all comes down to a meeting that I had with Steve Anderson at a lunch that was being hosted by our economic development agency, Christchurch NZ, and Steve and I were talking about how are we going to drive more innovation and more future high growth companies in the food and beverage industry um, in Christchurch and Canterbury and New Zealand as a whole. Um, and so we came up with this idea of basically running an annual competition uh, where we could on one hand um, show the, the, the great support that the foodstuffs uh, network has for food and beverage um, entrepreneurs of New Zealand, um, but also at the same time drive the growth of of those um, future industries by supporting those those um, those new products, 
And obviously, the best support that you can possibly get is provide them an opportunity to sell their product to the widest possible volume of customers. And that's through the the, um, the Foodstuffs Network. If it weren't for Steve Anderson, the CEO of um, Foodstuffs South Island, this never would have happened. Um, this is, you know, we, we came up with the idea together, but the prize being that placement across New World in the South Island is something that's so incredibly valuable that if that hadn't been the prize, um, the food starter competition wouldn't have been as successful as it was in the first year, second year. And now in the third year, we're going national. So Foodstuffs North Island um, is working together with Foodstuffs South Island to provide national distribution to the winners. So it really is um, a big thank you to Steve Anderson for having the foresight and to Foodstuffs for really believing in and supporting their producers. I think, um, I mean, you know, I was chatting to my husband that I was going to be talking to you guys on today's episode. And um, I was talking to Tim earlier that I have a food business myself and I was thinking about applying <laughs> for food starter. So there's a little bit of anti- ulterior motives going on here for why I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> um, but I just think it's so amazing because, um, you know, there's a lot of competitions which have cash prizes mm-hmm. and um, there's nothing against cash prizes, so to speak. I mean, you know, all cash any any business requires the cash but to have a prize where you're essentially guaranteeing business that is just so much more valuable you know and you're actually kind of showing people the way rather than um you know just kind of being like okay here's a check for 50 grand and thank you you know figure it out because so much of starting a new business is actually about someone holding your hand and yeah. you know you're being able to find out that information and i feel that's almost more valuable than just getting cash yeah i i mean i totally agree and one of the main things that comes out of this and tim maybe you can provide a little bit more detail but the work that the entrepreneurs um and the exposure that the entrepreneurs get to have with the category managers um uh, like you know tim are is, is essentially what are customers looking for? What does the competitive segment look like? I mean, obviously not giving away any, you know, any commercial data, but giving them a real understanding of the market. And that is the most critical point of success um, for a, a startup, no matter what the sector is. Um, and, and that is that you have to understand your customer, what they want, what their choices are and the things that are are going to make them select you. And that's a lot of the information that's provided by the category managers because of their experience and because of their entire market overview. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just leading on from what you said, Marion, um, part of the mandate, obviously, of Food Starter, Tim, is that you want to find and support innovative food businesses. So can you tell us maybe just lending, going back to your experience as a category manager and as a buyer, what does innovation actually mean within the scope of food? Sure. I guess the challenge um, with innovation is always walking that balance between something that's different and, and new and something that's a little bit niche. Um, one of the biggest challenges is that we are a scale business, so products do need to appeal to a reasonably large um, customer base, um, but also um, best new products are ones that tap into something missing in the market um, but it's wanted by customers even if they didn't know it yet. So sometimes, yeah, you'll, you'll see a brand new product you could never even thought of it, but as soon as you see it, you know you have to have it. Um, so that, that's always going to be that challenge. Um, um, 
we all see products every day that interest us as, as customers, um, but it's those that take us that next step of um, really wanting it or needing it, um, that product that really compels us to buy it. Um, often described as something that's easy for customers to understand but hard to replicate. Um, so Kiwi's already been relatively self-sufficient. Um, and after lockdown, we've seen a lot of these behaviours increase as people were making their own snacks and meals more at home and lunches, um, realising how fun and easy and satisfying it can be to do the stuff yourself. Um, so sometimes just about finding products that enhance that experience um, or find products that are impractical to do at a small scale in the home. Um, something like this was said with the, with the rotties, you know, making those at home is um, is pretty easy, but there's certain, um, certain snacks or certain big things that, you know, just making one or two of them isn't really practical. It's not really useful until you start making um, even bread. You know, you make bread at home, it's fun, but there's a reason people stop baking bread um, more often than not and just buy it because it's a lot easier to do um, on mass at scale um, and then you make yourself a special loaf on the weekend or something like that. Um, so sometimes it's about... Um, yeah, find, finding something that enhances those, um, whether it's something that's quick and easy to, to take for a snack, um, but would be arduous to, to make yourself as a snack every single day, um, something that's going to improve your family meals, or something for larger, grand entertaining events like barbecues or dinner with friends. Um, so, I mean, the key and the challenge sometimes is being at the front of that wave, um, but not being too far ahead of it, because um, generally, unless you're in the industry or the market, by the time you start hearing about products that are around, um, it's already too late to join as they've been developing for a while. Um, some new companies have come in and failed, and the big guys have got wind of it, put their arduous R&D mechanics in place and um, just to get the product to market and still had time to launch. Um, but also can be hard to be right at the very front um, and be the one trying to scratch together a budget um, for marketing to actually inform everyone about your products just for others to come in and ride in your momentum. Um, so I use something like kombucha as an example, which kind of at the moment feels like it's really new and dynamic to people outside the industry, um, but it's actually been developing for about five or six years. In the last year, we've had over 170 kombucha products um, sell across New World stores from both big and small producers. Um, yeah. Where someone like um, Zach from Arupa, who you've spoken to previously on the podcast, um, went a different way with his uh, neurologically focused beverages. Um, so I've been yeah. interacting with his product for many years in a commercial sense. So from when I was at stores up in um, New Worlds when I first saw the product. Um, but it's really only recently that it's got to a level that justified bringing it into the core range for New World. So it's, um, yeah, always trying to find that balance between um, something that's, that's different but still has that appeal that um, is going to um, attract a lot of people people um, but also it's something that can't easily be yeah, replicated by them at home because a lot of people you see something on the shelf you go hey that's a good idea then you just go home and do it yourself um, and so that's always going to be the um, the the challenge is, is having a really good idea um, that no one else can sort of replicate and everyone just wants to buy your product. Mm. And what about like so the, you know when I was hearing you talking the one product that came to my mind was Lisa's hummus. Now, mm. hummus is really easy to make, but I remember kind of like, I mean, obviously Lisa's has been around for a while, but like maybe 11, 12 years ago when they just came out, um, you know, that was just like a cool, unique thing um, that was available, which I guess previously Kiwis were just, you know, obsessed on their onion dip and mm. um, some of those ones. So how do you, would you recommend that brands handle like kind of the education piece of it? Because, you know, like, I mean, there's one thing about, like you said, obviously, being innovative in the food sense. But what if, like, your product's not actually that innovative? But, you know, like, I mean, hmm. the innovation lies in the education of it. 
Sure, and I mean, you know, almost as, as similar, similar to yeah, been been around for a long, long time in, in different parts of the world, but hasn't really been established here. So it's something we still absolutely consider a, a developing market. Um, and um, I know it was a, a long, slow, hard, hard slog for for the leases brand to to really start getting that traction and just just that slow incremental growth. Um, you know, people talking to their friends, people um trying the product. I mean, it is a good product, and people from overseas who try it, you know, rate it as a um as a world class product. Um, but I'm I know our penetration levels, the amount of people who actually use it compared to other parts of the world is is very, very low. Um, you know, we tend to just use it as a dip, um, and though we use dips in, in more occasions than maybe some others do, um, there's a lot of parts of the world where they're you know, eating hummus every day, and for us, most of us, you know, we're only using it a couple of times a year um, at barbecues mm. or um, or watching the rugby or, or something like that, just um, putting it on a, on a platter. Um, so sometimes it's about, yeah, introducing different ways for people to, to use the same products they've been using. Um, it's, yeah, giving people, you know, letting people know about, I mean, they um, recently, Lisa's brought out the, the Hummus and Marmite um, collab, um, and, yeah, a lot of people go oh but don't you put um, marmite on toast it's like well yeah you can put hummus on toast as well a lot of people do and then you know replaces your butter and especially people um, looking for more plant-based alternatives um, realizing that there's different usage for some of these products is um, sometimes that's just as important as having something brand new it's having something um, having a way for people to use the same thing in a different and better in a better way and that's often going to be um, the innovation in itself as, as a way to um, get people using the same old products in a new way yeah. And Marin, do you feel that the innovation can go beyond the actual product? Like, can it be built into the company in another way? You know, perhaps in the story you're telling or, um, you know, maybe in your packaging? What What are some of the other ways that, you know, like, I mean, beyond the product, the food item itself? Hmm. I think business model is a, is, a, is a major way that innovation can take place. I mean, so one of the probably the most famous um, business model innovations that you see every day in the supermarket would be around the thank you water and the thank you um, hand lotions, moisturizers, soaps, the whole thank you range. So the thank you range is essentially uh, the same thing as something else, a good quality product, except for the profits go towards um, some form of uh, social uh, problem. Um, so it's, it's, it's built as a social enterprise. And so if you're chosen, if you're choosing between um, you know, uh, uh, a water made by, uh, I don't, so I, I, I don't have a problem with Coca-Cola, but if you're choosing between a water made by Coca-Cola or a water made by Thank You Water, where all the profits go to, um, you know, building wells across uh, Africa, you, as a, as a customer who is socially aware, you might choose Thank You Water, and that's, that is the entire point of difference. So it's not about the product, it's not about the water, it's not about the package, it's 100% about the business model. Hmm. And uh, Tim, what do you do if you're not an innovative product? How do you stand out on the supermarket shelf? And what I mean by this is, you know, like if you're not at the kind of front curve of science, you're not making plant-based meats or kombucha or like the next new thing, but maybe you're just doing something that's been around for a while, but doing it better. How do you stand out on the shelf? Um, I, I guess it is always a challenge, um, but I guess one of the biggest advantages of this industry is that um, we're all customers of it too. Um, so it's always good to put yourself in the shoes of the customer and let that sort of drive your decisions. Um, think about what makes you see products at the supermarket. Um, so, you know, is it things like tastings and displays in stores? Um, 
and also social media sampling and other advertising out of the store, um, which drives interest in your product, um, starts to build demand. Um, it, it's always generally going to be an investment, um, and so those who aren't prepared to put the resources in will generally struggle to be heard just above all the other noise from all the other products. Um, you sort of you know, think about when you when you go for your walk through the supermarket, just the, the tens of thousands of products you actually walk past that just have no resonance with you, um, and what is it that makes the, the ones that you do put in your trolley do, um, do that. So um, packaging can have benefits in standing out, um, but it's also very subjective. You also need to sort of consider the operational needs, like how it will fit on shelf. Um, so if it's, you know, there's no point um, having a whole lot of um, different, you know, 1.5 litre um, drinks and then all of a sudden yours is in a big um, funny shaped box or something like that. Um, sometimes it can stand out, but sometimes the actual um, operational needs for the um, for the store um, aren't actually going to make that product sufficient to go there so it's going to end up on a bottom shelf or end up in a different place um, where it's going to fit properly um, but that's going to therefore um, affect the ability to to really um, have that impact um, so yeah I mean things like advertising and, and marketing but and which which is changing drastically you know at the moment like um like Marion said you know that tech is driving it now you can be so much more um structured in your in your um and direct in your advertising so um things like you know Facebook ads and stuff like that um those sort of means that, is that you can that resource that return on investment for that spend is, is going to the people who want to buy your product. Um, you're no longer putting up a big billboard where 95% of people who look at that were never going to buy your product to begin with. Um, so I think that yeah, that targeted um, advertising now is becoming so much more important for just making sure you're going after the right people at the right time. Hmm. And um, I don't know if this is true, but one of the things that I've spotted is also nowadays you'll find products. Um, kind of being innovative, kind of by being like, you know, like so traditionally it would have been something that had a really long shelf life, like I'm thinking canned soup or something like that, you know, and they would have typically been in the dry goods aisle, but now you find them in your chilled aisle just next to your cheese and your fresh pasta. And, um, you know, because maybe it's already already made and it's just like a heat and eat. So is that maybe another example of uh, innovating and does that tend to work in your opinion? Like, you know, where you kind of shift how people have normally perceived a particular product? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think, again, it comes back down to that, um, taking it from a customer's perspective, you know, what when a customer wants soup, what are they looking for? Um, so sometimes the advantage of it, you know, people, we know that um, things like freshness and, and more natural ingredients, less preservatives are being um, uh, coming to the forefront, um, but it doesn't necessarily apply across all um, across all segments and, and all products um, because sometimes the good the advantage of a can of soup is that, um, you know, you buy it because there's, you're going to leave it, sit in, it can sit in your pantry for two years and when you um, really feel like that pumpkin soup, you know, you might never often feel like pumpkin soup, but um, you can sit mm-hmm. in that free and then those days you really do feel like pumpkin soup, it's in there, it's ready to go as soon as you need to, but you haven't got any pressure to um, to use it up because it's um, – because of the food. and so as food waste things like that become more um, more people become more conscious of it. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. there are different um, different occasions. So again, it's about always looking at the at the customer. You know what are what are they looking for if they want a brand new fresh soup? Are they more likely to make it themselves? Um, and but they'd like to have something in there as a as a um, last resort or as a um, as a really quick and easy option. Um, so there's and it's something we also look at um, as well as you know if if we got something that's in different places around the store um, are they both serving the same purpose or are they serving different purposes and that's sometimes the um, the, the challenging question um, so we you know we're always trying to 
get some of those insights from from customers. Um, and it's about yeah making sure that um, we're keeping the customer front of mind when we're making those decisions. Okay. And um, so just kind of looping back to the competition itself, Marin, you guys have now completed two rounds of food starters. So what is different about this year? Well, the biggest difference is the fact that it's a North Island, South Island, completely national competition, which is pretty amazing. Um, I, I, it, the, the, the prize is the prize is the thing that drives the entire competition. I mean, obviously, the handholding that you talked about previously presented, which is really important for any entrepreneur and um, important as well for a food and beverage entrepreneur, um, is 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 part of the prize. So working with the category managers, getting that intelligence, working with the ad agency, um, which is uh, strategy, working on packaging design, um, working with uh, Food South and Food Bowl in the Food Innovation Network. Uh, without them, uh, we we wouldn't be able to help um, the entrepreneurs scale from the small sort of production that they're at through to um, national uh, presence. Um, but the prize, the, the the overall prize, which is that presence in New World across the country, is the holy grail. You know, I mean that that is an opportunity to um, get everyone the distribution that they're looking for. Um, that they are ulti- that they would be ultimately seeking, and then it's for them, um, obviously, to grow to get to the point where they they can produce enough. Um, but also, it's it's basically that's where the rubber hits the road. Will the customer want the product, and what are they going to do in order to once they have that opportunity? really leverage it and grow it as, as best as they can. And um, have, Tim, have you had a chance to work with any of the winners previously? Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've been working with um, the, the latest winner, um, Fernando, Fernando from um, Ananda. They do vegetarian uh, sausage. Um, and so it's, um, I, I mean, you know, as part of our role, we, we're working with small suppliers um, all the time, um, giving them advice. I guess the, the biggest difference with this one is normally what we do is sort of encourage that um, natural or, or organic growth of a, um, of a company. And so one of the, the challenges that always happens, um, like Marion said, was just the, the speed of growth of this one. It's about making sure that we are um, making that, um, managing that at, at the right rate because um, yeah, generally, you know, small businesses will kind of, Try and fail at a few little things, make little tweaks, and then um, see how that plays out. Whereas this one is is going from zero to one hundred at, at pretty much um, you know straight away, and so it's always a case of making sure that we're making those best decisions, giving those that input back. <clears throat> I guess the um, there's you know a lot of market da- data out there, um, but sometimes we don't have all the answers as well, and, and especially a lot of these innovative um, innovative products of this. Um, this competition attracts um, are generally in those developing categories. So we are making some educated guesses sometimes in, in how they're going to um, respond where the, we probably don't have that robust um, history that you'd have for something like chocolate or, or soft drinks or fizzy drinks, things like that, um, where mm. we, we kind of, you know, the, the market's relatively established and you kind of know how things are going to react. So um, it is a little bit dynamic and it's um, making sure that, you um, understand then that we sort of work together to make sure that those um the ideas that we're we're putting in are the, are the best um the best guesses we can make on it 
Okay. And um, Marion, when you were talking earlier, you know, you mentioned people like the Food Bowl and Food South and ad agencies. Could you just speak to a little bit about what their role is um, within that within this competition and what they would be promote what they would be providing to the winner? Sure. Um, so the so the so Food Starter is uh, powered by. Um, foodstuffs, um, and specifically New World and Ministry of Awesome. Um, so we're the, we're the group that is making the competition happen and have been for the last three years. Um, but alongside, um, alongside us, we also have had as a constant partner because they are really necessary to this process, um, two members, well, one member of the Food Innovation Network, Food South. So when it was a South Island competition only, Food South is essentially the people who can help our entrepreneurs go from um, basically selling their product at a farmer's market through to a, a national presence. And as Tim said, you know, most, most of our entrepreneurs and most food and beverage entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general don't go from zero to 100 in, you know, a certain number of months. This would be a slow and steady process. So this is definitely not a competition for the faint hearted. Um, but without Food South, we would not be able to um, to grow them because one of the key things they have to do is they have to work on the food science um, to produce enough. And it's not just a case of multiplying the number of you know teaspoons and tablespoons. There's actually there's a science uh, to it, which mm-hmm. is what Food South um, brings to the table. And because this is also a North Island competition, another member of the Food Innovation Network, Food Bowl, is performing exactly that same task for North Island winners. So Food South, Food Bowl are two of the major partners who are going to help people scale. All along the way, Ministry of Awesome uh, and our startup team will be mentoring and working with the food entrepreneur so that on a weekly basis, we're checking in with them, working through the roadmap of what they have to do in their business to grow it from where they um, are as winners through to when they finally launch in store. Um, And then another major partner is Strategy Advertising, um, sorry, Strategy Creative. Um, and they have uh, the remit of essentially doing a triage session with the winners uh, to work out what they need in terms of marketing. So they do, do they need a new brand identity? Do they need new packaging? Whatever it is, they need to make sure that as far as customer communication is concerned, when they're on the shelf, they're saying exactly the right thing about their product to really, really stand out. Um, and uh, and with some sort of powerful brand awareness. So strategy is another major partner in this. Um, another partner that's really important to to mention is um, is the two economic development agencies who are involved. So Christchurch NZ is the economic development agency for Christchurch Canterbury. And as I, I mentioned to you um, a little bit about the supernodes and the food and fiber supernode, but what they're really involved in this program with is, is essentially creating those high value jobs of the future and the jobs of the future. So if you've got somebody who's selling at a farmer's market and then you've got somebody after 12 months time who's selling across the entire New World Network, that means that that organization is going to go from whoever the original founders are in the small team. They're going to have to scale. They're going to have to take new employees on. And that is the real benefit from the from the point of view of the economic development agency. So this kind of um, competition wouldn't be possible without um, Christchurch NZ support. And in the North Island, it's ATED, uh, which is the Auckland Economic Development Agency, who are involved in, in supporting the event. Um, so for the same reasons, in terms of jobs for the future and economic growth, um, they're heavily involved in the in the in the project as well. Okay. Um- 
And, you know, so from what you're saying and the fact that you mentioned that, you know, obviously this competition is not for the faint-hearted, just with the amount of work that's involved, like winning it just seems to be uh, like the easy part of the process. Like Then what you do, that's where the kind of, you know, um, it really kind of is going to be the hard work comes in. Yeah. So what sort of, um, I guess, commitment are you expecting from people who are applying? Like, obviously... I get that, you know, you have to be committed to your idea and you want to do it because obviously there's a whole bunch of people putting in their time and effort to get you to where you want to go. But um, would you say it's open to people like from all sorts, like, you know, if you are just in a farmer's market or also if you are perhaps you already have a full time job and you're doing this as a side gig, like what do you feel like? What's the kind of commitment or what is it that you're looking for in the person itself? Mm. Because I'm sure you shared that an incubator and at least what I know very basic about seed investment is often the quality of the entrepreneur are almost as equal as to the product that they're developing. Oh, I'd say, I'd say they go beyond actually. I mean, sometimes when you invest in an early stage startup, you're investing in the founder. You're not investing in the product at all. And the founder quite often will fail on their first, but they'll they'll win on their second or their third or their fourth. It's all about the founder. So if you haven't got so essentially, if you if you talk to Fernando, who is um, 2019's winner with with his Ananda um, vegan sausages, they are an incredible product. But if you speak to Ananda about his um, about his experience over the last 12 months, he's gone through hell. And he's gone through hell because you don't normally go from woe to go as fast as 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 this this, this yeah. competition has allowed him to. Um, you know, he was selling at farmers market and um, you know had a had a you know a, a decent work life balance and so on and so on. But this has thrown him headlong into producing on a national scale. That takes a lot of work. So it's not something that you can kind of do as a side gig unless you know your side gig is unless you want, you know, unless you don't want to sleep um, or unless you don't want to see your family, this is a real focus. And we, we, you know, on one hand, uh, food starter offers incredible opportunity and an incredible upside, which you've got to be able to take advantage of it. So there's no cash that comes along with this. We mm -hmm. have simply, we're giving you the skates and we're giving you the opportunity and we're giving you the network and we're giving you the placement, but you have to get there. So you still have to do the running and no one's going to do the running for you. That means that we will show you how to um, how to scale your product with food, food bowl and, and food south. We will show you um, what your market uh, might look like and what your market might demand um, through the work that you might do with your category managers. We will show you how you can launch your product in the market. We can show you what you need to do. Um, for your your packaging and you know and and the work is is offered as part of the prize package but you still have to have a plan in place for scaling you still have to have a plan in place for buying you know the the feedstock that creates your product um, and if you don't have those plans in place and you don't have that financial capability to scale to take advantage of it then um, it's probably not for you mm. All right. And to wrap up, Tim, do you have advice for those entrepreneurs that perhaps may not get selected this year in Foodstarter? How can they progress their business or, you know, hope to get stopped into the supermarket? Like what's generally the process like in the New Zealand context? 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and um, like Marion said, you know, potentially people will look at this competition and go, actually, maybe winning this, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but we're hoping, you know, it's um, something that potentially this this is something where they you know, go, well, actually, it's going to be a little side, side project for the next two years. Um, but then I'm going to go seriously I'll, I'll make myself a bit of savings up and then I want to commit to this fully um, so we um, there's absolutely that opportunity to, to take that more natural organic growth that we sort of talked about um, and for a lot of businesses that's um, the, the best way and easiest way to actually actually go about getting it um, so on the foodstuffs website especially there's um, some excellent guides um, which should explain really um for the, the different processes. Um, so one of the advantages of the foodstuffs um, network, both in the South Island and the North Island, is that um, products don't have to be stocked in all stores. We um, A lot of our stores have a, a very, um, they're all owner-operated, so they do have their own um, own local in-store range, um, which often can be local suppliers. So there's some, you know, we have some suppliers who um, just have a really nice little relationship, um, say based in the Nelson area, there might be a little boutique producer that they only sort of supply to their local stores. Um, it's great for the people live there. They know they're um, supporting a, a local um a local supplier, um, they don't have to overinvest in, in equipment to try and scale up. Um, so there's something that's um, so it's something that works for quite well. So yeah, I mean you you still need to get um, set up with a vendor account. You still we still need to make sure that all the products have um, all the food safety um, um, processes in place that, that the products that are coming out are going to be um, are going to be safe for people to eat that um, obviously it's a, um, it's a responsibility of ours to make sure that all the all the products that we're putting on our shelves are, are safe for people to eat um, but yeah definitely jump on the website it's got some really really um, straightforward um, guides from a very small um, level um, and then once you sort of are starting to scale having a little bit of success um, the contact the um the team you know we've got category managers across um we've got a team of category managers here and so same in the north island um across the categories who um are always happy yeah we, we love supporting local businesses it's something that um you know we're very proud of as as we're a new zealand owned businesses you know all of our supermarkets owner operated are, are new zealand businesses it's something we're really proud of um of the work we do sort of developing and, and some of the you know those great stories you hear of yeah you know, the the Whitakers, the picks peanut butter the farah's wraps all those sort of um, brands you know started as small um, boutique New Zealand producers and so you know we'd, we'd love to be a part of um, the next one of those um, through development and, and we generally believe there's a lot of New Zealand businesses out there capable of that um, and, and the other thing just just visit stores you know get a bit of a feel in there watch what customers do um, you know people um, what people say and especially some of your, your friends and, and family will generally give you tell you what you want to hear when you sort of start talking about your idea um, but sometimes just going out and, and watching customers can be quite fascinating you know people what people say they're going to do when they're shopping what they actually do um, tends to be quite different so if you've got your product you know you might be starting brand, you know um, think of putting out your own honey so just go stand in a supermarket and just kind of watch the honey aisle for for um for a little bit and just just see what people are doing and you know maybe with permission of story we just have a bit of a chat to some of those customers and um see you know what made them make the decision why did they buy the the four dollar honey instead of the twenty dollar honey and um and they'll probably give you some pretty um some pretty candid advice that you might not get from um from those people close to you um so it's um and yeah most most store buyers as well are pretty happy to um to talk to um talk to suppliers about their expectations um again they're, they're often busy as well but um if you know if you've you've done the work if you've done your homework if you've done a little bit of work um they're generally happy to um to give a little bit of advice and, and let you know what their expectations are um so it's um yeah i think just yeah getting out there talking to some people um 
but I, I think again the, the key one is always um, put the customer at the front of your mind um, you can have a really good idea but if um, if there's not enough other people that want it then no one's really going to going to benefit from it so I think making it um, customer driven um, all the decisions you make is, is generally going to be the best recipe for success. Awesome. I think um, you just wrapped it up really beautifully. And um, before I let the two of you go, I've got one um, last section on the show that we do, which is called Fast Food 5. Um, and that's nothing to do with fast food, but five fast questions about food. So I'm going to ask you both a question, and then you have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you guys ready? Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll start with you. Marion, um, one piece of advice for those entering food startup. Ooh, um, be really focused in your application. Um, make sure that you're clear on um, what the need is that your customer has that you're addressing um, and what is really different about your product. Okay, and Tim, one piece of advice from you? Um, yeah, like like, this, like Marin said, it's um, be understand what it is that you want to achieve out of this, um, and um, what the long term goal is. It's not just about that that one product. You know, what is what is the the next five years? What does the next ten years look like? Uh, and what difference will this make to you winning this competition? And is that what you um, is that what you're hoping for? And, and what you're hoping to get out of this? Okay. That sounds like some amazing advice to kind of think about. Now, um, Marion, farmers markets or supermarkets? Where do you like to shop? Oh, I feel bad, but um, I'm going to have to say 100% of my shopping, 100% is at the supermarket. Okay. And what about you, Tim? Um, I, yeah, my, almost all my shopping is at the supermarket. I, I do like farmers markets, um, but again, I, I guess it's probably that chance to talk to that person that next level down, um, which is mm -hmm. one of the things I love about this job is actually talking about food and talking about the process and talking about everything that goes in behind it. Um, and also having the butchery background, you can often um, get some pretty good um, pretty good meat deals and the advantage that you'd be able to do it, do it all at home definitely um, definitely helps. I've still got a few 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 tools, so even though, even though I'm long retired from butchery, I still um still break out the knives occasionally. So sometimes you do get some pretty good deals with farmers markets. It's just not practical to replicate the supermarket. So fair enough. Um, and Tim, favorite aisle in the supermarket? Ooh, probably, well, it's probably the liquor aisle to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I mean, craft. I would say you're probably probably craft beer now at the moment with um with with the things happening in that space. Um, it's probably one of the ones that's um changing the most. Um, and it's something that um I'm a yeah big big fan of. And I think even if I wasn't, um, I guess the, the challenge now is because um because I'm I'm back in the in the game that it's kind of hard to just just do a my, my wife hates supermarket shopping with me because I'm always looking at everything and yeah you know, I can't just walk through <laughs> so but it's um yeah I think even if I wasn't um if I was still in a different industry I think the craft beer one especially would be the one that would probably still spend the most time in yeah and um, what about you Marion well um, Tim mentioned kombucha I love kombucha. And in fact, I love any of those, um, the, that whole sort of sector is growing so, so quickly. And it's not just about the kombucha. Now it's about switchel and about all of those other green, uh, all of those other drinks that are really good for your gut, but really low sugar. Um, and every time I go into New World, I feel like I'm discovering something new. So like now there's even cola flavored kombucha, uh, which is mm -hmm. actually incredibly yummy. So the kombucha aisle. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I mean, and speaking about beverages, I recently discovered these like bottles of cider. Maybe they've always been there, but just like chilled cider in like different fruit flavors. Mm. And I've never kind of seen that. So that's my happy discovery for the yeah. month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Tim, fresh food or long shelf life? What do you prefer? Um, fresh, fresh food for me. Um, I'm generally... I do kind of like the challenge of sometimes there's something in your fridge that you know you've got to use up and then you've got to be creative with it. So for me, um, I always like that um, that challenge that you've got something that's got two days left on it. So all of a sudden you've got to jump on Google and, and find some recipes and throw <laughs> something together. So um, for me, I kind of like that um, like that challenge. But um, yeah, I think it, it's uh, like, um, like Mary and CJ, we're one of the one of the greatest producers of food in the world um, in New Zealand. So we've got some of the best produce. We've got some of the best um, meat. We've got some of the best um, ingredients into the food. So we might as well enjoy it at its, at its peak. Mm. And what about you, Marion? Fresh or long shelf life? Oh, 100% fresh. I can't stand, mm. I can't stand anything long shelf life, really. I just, yeah, we're not on Mars. We're not in a rocket. Let's, just, <laughs> let's eat fresh. <laughs> Awesome. And uh, we'll wrap up with you, Marion. So one artisan product that's always on your shopping list and that you think we should all try. Oh, well, I think I need to be artisan, but just like, you know, not your, (laughs) not your usual stuff. Yeah. Uh, It's the kombucha thing again. And it's not really kombucha. It's it's all of those, uh, that whole sector of um, probiotic drinks. Mm. Okay, and what about you, Tim? Yeah, I, th- I think um, I'll probably yeah, again go back to to back to craft beer. Um, for me, I was someone who didn't really drink beer for a long time because I wasn't really that interested in the in the basic offerings we had. But um, no matter what sort of style of, I, I guess you know people are excited away. But I mean, there's there's some zero alcohol ones and things like that coming out as well. Um, but just some of the the you know from everything from a dark heavy beer to a light fruity beer, there's um, just such a an array now. Um, and again, most you know the, a lot of the liquor managers and stuff are actually you know very very passionate about those as well so generally if um you know there's or even just if there's someone there standing there stroking their beard they're probably pretty happy to chat to you about um about all the different <laughs> types of beard um anyway so um yeah I, I think there's um you'd be surprised how many different things there are now that um that weren't there before even like you said the ciders you know the um the seltzers that are coming out now which are um you know very very low sugar um generally fruity flavors not like the old um vodka cruises you know high sugar high um food coloring and things like that you know there's there's so many different um things happening in that space um but also yeah development in the um in the low alcohol area and the zero alcohol area as well you know zero alcohol spirits and things are out now you can get zero alcohol gin and tonics and, and stuff like that now so um there's a lot of those sort of ones that there's something for everyone out there to, to try all right well thank you so much um thank you both tim and marion for coming today talking to us about food starter but more importantly talking to us about you know why um all of us food entrepreneurs should continue to keep innovating and um just yeah it's speaking to you um i'm just really excited about knowing what happens with this year's winner and um, i'm just gonna go complete my application now (laughs) so (laughs) all right (laughs) Um, thank you so much guys thank you prison it's been wonderful to talk to you yeah thank you prison good luck in the competition thanks thanks for listening to the kiwi foodcast brought to you by podcasts new zealand be sure to listen in next time for another helping of kiwi food stories